Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. This message tonight is about averting the poison of envy. And you say, oh, well, in relationships, I don't have a a problem with envy. Well, I I don't think I would just rule that out right now. I think I would listen to some things, and we may just get to where God shows us and reveals how insidious um, that envy can be in relationships and how it can creep in, and we don't even know it sometimes. So hopefully, you know, we'll get enlightenment here tonight. And even if it's not something you're dealing with, you can help someone else. Or when it comes knocking at your door, then you will be aware and you will be forewarned and forearmed. Amen? So when we talk about averting the poison of envy, I just want to talk to you um, tonight Uh, about, let's just think about what some poisons are, natural poisons. Well, you know, uh, we could say prescription drugs. We could say chemicals, you know, chemicals at home, things that you clean with, things that are in your office can be chemicals, you know, with a copier or, you know, all kinds of machines that we have in the office, and they're poisons. And you know, if you, if you come in contact with those poisons in the wrong way, it's going to affect you adversely. It's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. Isn't that right? And so when we talk about poisons tonight, I want you to think about the kinds of poisons that come into our life in relationships and at a level uh, to where it contaminates how we relate and how we connect with other people. That's what I mean when I talk about poisons tonight. How many of you can think of uh, some poisons that are in relationships. You, you can come up with some. You know, you think about strife. Wouldn't you say that that is a poison? Okay. Wouldn't you say that offense is a poison? How about unforgiveness? Anybody? Can you think of some other ones maybe? Selfishness? Okay. Anyone else? Bitterness? Someone said jealousy. I heard that. Okay, see, all of those are poisons that can come into our life, and again, so insidiously that we don't recognize or even know it. And, and they, they can just creep into our lives. Uh, you know, it's just like what the Bible says, the love of many will wax cold. And when you look that word wax cold, it, it, talking about in the end times, our love for the Lord waxing cold, it means a little Here and a little there, just little by little, our love begins to wax cold. Well, in the same way, these poisons, little by little, they come in. Because if it came in in a, a, you know, just a grandiose way, well, we would know it right away and we'd say no to that. But see, because a lot of times we don't recognize it, we allow it to come in, and then it begins to poison our life. And you know, uh, just like if someone came in contact, I remember here, this has been years and years ago, but someone in housekeeping 
was doing some cleaning and they mixed a, a bleach mixture with another kind of cleaner and it, you know there were toxic fumes that came forth and and you know consequently the person uh, you know it overwhelmed them and and they had to you know get that taken care of and and that's the way toxins in our relationships can be it's like it comes up and it overwhelms us at times and then we get knocked out of the relational game if you will okay so a poison is a contamination it's a toxic it's harmful it will injure you, it will kill you, and it will infect your life. And so when I talk about poisons tonight, I'm talking about poison control in your relationships, okay? So these poisons, these things will sabotage our relationships with others. They jeopardize how we connect with other people. You know, every day, whether we realize it or not, we uh, have a connection with people. You know, we get up and, uh, in the morning and the first people we have our connection with, who is it? Our family. And then... You know, if we hold jobs, the next thing, it's our co-workers. And then on Sunday or Wednesday or, you know, whenever church comes together, you again face maybe a different group of people and there is connection there. And then, you know, some of us, uh, you know, we have friends in the church or, or you know, maybe in another city or uh, another state or something like that. And so occasionally or often, whatever the case may be, with our friends, there's connection. Some of you are not married and you're dating. And so then you have those kinds of connections. So uh, relational connections are on all different levels. But what we want to do through what we, we've been going through the past few weeks and even tonight is we want to know how do we better relate to other people. I don't know about you, but I don't like strife and I don't like confrontation and I don't like things when they're uncomfortable with other people, when a relationship is uncomfortable. I'll do whatever I can to make that right. Now, I know some people, when they run into a relational issue, they want to not face it, but they want to run. And that's natural. That's the natural way. But see, that's not what God wants for us. We need to face it and work our way through whatever problems or issues there may be there. Now, and what we need to understand that anytime there's misunderstanding and anytime things are not going exactly the way we want them to go in a relationship with another person, how many of you know there's two of you? Well, I know it, and they need to get things straight. <laughs> Isn't that the way we look at it? Well, and that may be true, but that's not always the way it is. Sometimes it's two people on two, uh, you know, something in each one. And so we have to look at that. And, you know, it's just when I do marriage classes, you know, and, and I would teach on marriage and, 
you know, maybe one of the spouses wouldn't be there. And I'd say, do not take what I'm saying today home to your spouse and say, you should have been there. This is you. This is what you deal with. See, you can't look at issues that way. We have to examine our own self and shine that spotlight into our own heart and not hold it up looking at everyone else. You know, it's like the Bible says, um, you know, uh, the person that's got this beam in their eye, this big telephone pole in their eye is trying to pick the speck out of someone else's eye. You see what I'm saying? And so when we talk through things tonight, it is not for the benefit of you to say, oh, that's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. But it's to say, God, how does this relate to my life and how can this help me? Can you say amen? Are you listening? All right, turn to 2 Kings chapter number 4. And we're going to read a little bit here tonight in chapter 4 and starting at verse 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal. I like Gilgal. You know what that stands for? The place of the rolling away. He went to Gilgal. Where, where's the place? It's, we were singing about it tonight. It's the cross. The place where the sins were rolled away. And there was a Darth or a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said to his servants, Set on the great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. Now, you, here is a story where Eli, Elisha, the great prophet, is in a time of famine, and he's with a group of the prophets, and it's time to feed them. And if you read on, on into that chapter, uh, God multiplied food for them, okay? But this story is, he told them to get the pot, put the water on, go out and gather what you can find, and we're going to make a stew. You like stew? Well, what, how many of you know, you ladies, if you fix stew, maybe even some of you men, my husband loves to make beef stew anyway. But so when you make that, it's not just one ingredient. It's a lot of ingredients. So when they went out, you know, they got uh, the herbs, they got gourds, they got vines, they got anything that they could find that they thought might make a good stew. And they chop it up, you know, and they throw it in the pot. And here they are, they're just getting ready to sit down and they're going to have some of this good stew because everybody's hungry and they were waiting for that to be done and they start to eat it and someone looks in the pot and he says there's death in the pot and you know what that means there's poison in the pot and so Elijah says I've got the remedy you wait just a minute he says bring me the meal so he gets a handful of meal and he throws it in the pot and guess what happens there's a miracle the poison is gone death in the pot is resolved and it's no longer there anymore. Now, my point being is this if you've got poison in the pot and you are the pot, you put the meal in, which is the word of God, the bread from heaven, you put the meal in and God will take care of getting rid of the poison in your life. But you see, many times we don't allow the meal to be put in the pot. <laughs> 
to put into our life because we go about our life carrying on the way we carry on, carrying grudges, carrying bitterness, unforgiving, and on and on and on. We just go and carry it, and the meal is never applied. If you, you can look at the meal, Elijah didn't say, look at the meal, and it will get rid of the poison. He didn't say that, did he? He said, put the meal in the middle of the mess. And see, that's what we have to do. We have to put the Word of God in the middle of our mess, whatever it may be, because it's poisonous and it will injure you. And I found that when people are poisoned in this realm, it doesn't live to just them. It's like you read in Hebrews about the root of bitterness. It says it defiles many. And so when poison gets in our life, it doesn't live to itself. We affect and infect other people with the poison in our life. And you know that that's true. We've talked a little bit about our families and the families that we grow up in. And if there's poison in the life of parents, it will be transferred to the children. Because that root of bitterness or root of whatever the poison is will defile many. What does the word defile mean? Contaminate. It will contaminate other people. And so many times we live life and we're limping. We're limping along in life. But you know, the Bible tells us in Zechariah that he will save the limping ones, but you've got to get the meal out of the meal barrel and put it into the pot. And see, that's what we're going to do tonight. Can you say amen? Okay, so we see here then that there was a remedy to what the problem is. Now, see, I want to tell you, I never believe that God points out one thing that is in our life or what we need to deal with, sin, whatever it is. I never believe he points it out without trying to get us to get over it and get healed from it and delivered from it. Now, I've seen women and men both that have had a, a, a tragic divorce. And maybe there's been adultery. There's been, uh, uh, you know, uh, just unfaithfulness. Uh, there's not been the loyalty, the respect, or whatever you want to call it that's been in that marriage relationship. And I've seen men and women, they end up getting a divorce, and they go on, and each year, instead of putting the meal in the pot to get over it. And let me tell you, I know that healing emotionally a lot of times does not happen with the snap of the finger. I realize that. Now, sometimes it can if God does a miracle. But, but sometimes it's a process, and it's little by little that God heals you and raises you up. I want to tell you something tonight, and I want you to listen to me. If you've been dealing with something for 10 and 20 and 15 and 30 years, you are not doing things God's way. I want to break it to you, not gently, but abruptly. You need to get over it. You need to get through what you've been going through. You have to move on through it. And so it's unacceptable to be facing something 
and never work your way through it because that's not God's way. And it's poison in your spiritual life and it contaminates you and it will not live to itself, but it will cross on over to your children. You know, I see, uh, I see people that have gone through divorce and they'll turn their children against the other spouse. You know, even, you know, I know this hasn't happened to me, but even if I had been cheated on and mistreated, I'll let that child, I would let that child find out for itself what the other person is like. And they will if they don't change. They will. And it doesn't have to come through our speaking evil and badly of someone. Amen? Even though you might want to, you know, but, but they'll find out. So we have to place and accept the Word of God as the meal, the bread that will be applied to our life. I'm talking about the Bible. B-I-B-L-E, you know what I'm saying? Basic information before you leave earth. And that's right. So we're talking about now averting the poison of envy. Let me tell you what envy means. I thought I knew what it meant. And of course I had a general idea. But I love this definition. Envy means a feeling of discontent and ill will. Because of another's advantages, possessions, or successes. I'm going to read it again. A feeling of discontent and ill will because of another's advantages, possessions, or successes. It's also a feeling of displeasure when someone is blessed or prospered. I want you to not have whatever you have, and it doesn't matter if I ever get it or not, I don't want you to have it. Now, that's what envy is. It's an ugly thing. Envy is an ugly thing. And see, when we start out, let me say this. It's not just a natural, normal emotion. See, we make excuses. Well, that's just human. We're all just human. No, don't make excuses for it. When you recognize it, don't allow it to creep in. Because it's a work of the flesh. Doesn't the Bible say that? If you read in Galatians 5, envyings, it's a work of the flesh. And so it's not normal and natural. God didn't make us to be envious. He made us to rejoice with people when good things come their way. Okay, just think about this. If... You know, if Fred comes to church this coming Sunday and Fred drives up and he's got a beautiful new car and Fred really didn't need one because the other one he had was quite nice. And you'd already looked at it and said, wow, Fred has a nice car. But now he has a brand new one. And so then you look at that and instead of rejoicing, you think, wow, he's got a new car. I'm the one who really needs that. You know, that car of mine, the transmission's getting ready to come out of that. The tires are... T I need that car. You see what I'm saying? Or let's just say, Sally. Sally has called you on the phone. 
And she's rejoicing because she just got a new house. And she got this wonderful deal. Oh my goodness, they came down so much on the price. And it's in the perfect part of town. And she is so happy. And you sit there and you're trying, oh, well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. And all on the inside, it's, wow. I prayed about a new house, God. You didn't give it to me yet. You see what I'm saying? And see, you don't, you don't recognize how envy can creep into your life. Or, you know, let's, let's talk about Mary. You know, Mary came to church and she had lost some weight and she had on a really nice looking outfit. And you got around Mary and then you started feeling bad about yourself and you started saying, my goodness, Look at Mary. She's really looking good. I need to lose weight too. And look at that dress. Can you believe that? wonder how much that cost anyway. <laughs> and then you start feeling bad. Then you start getting depressed. You see what I'm saying? But that's why the Bible says rejoice with those that re- rejoice. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to rejoice with people when they have rejoicing circumstances. Amen? That's very, very important. Now, sometimes we're not even conscious, conscious or aware when envy comes in. It could be, you know, just like the circumstances that I've described to you. And we have to be very, very careful about that. And another way to detect the beginning stages of envy is when you smile inside when you hear of others' misfortune. I would never do that. Don't tell me that. Every one of us have done it. You read about someone in the newspaper. You hear about someone that's been an enemy of yours that did something against you years ago and something good happened. To them at that time, you know, and now something good's not happening. They have misfortune, and on the inside, hmm, I knew I knew they'd get it. <laughs> uh, you have to be careful about that, and the Bible talks about it too. And in, in the Book of Psalms, you know, when you rejoice when someone has a misfortune, said you know, and, and things are being turned up on them, he said, "I'll stop it." you don't handle it right you know you got to be careful about that so don't smile on the inside when you hear that somebody else just start praying you know you know what I've done Uh, you know being in the ministry and I hear about pastors you know uh, we were around one not too long ago great great man of God great pastor doing marvelous things for the Lord And I mean, I'm telling you, to see what they're doing, to hear what they're doing, uh, to look at what's been accomplished, you know, and, and then I look back on what we're doing and what we've accomplished. And I don't minimize that at all because I, I believe God's done some marvelous things. But in comparison to this ministry, 
And see, if you're not careful, I'm telling you things I have to deal with, you have to deal with. It, it may be on a different level, a different arena. But, but looking at that, you know, you have a tendency. And see, it just begins to creep up. Here it comes. can feel it moving up. I can feel it moving up. Well, you've been doing this for 33 years. You're nowhere near that. Look at this. Look at that. See, to try to get your eyes looking in a covetous way. But you know what I've learned to do? I'll be driving down the road and, uh, you know, I'll see a church and, you know, see uh, maybe on their, um, you know, sign out front, something's going, Lord bless them and help them with that effort. If I hear, you know, that churches, you know, are, are, are just doing some great outreach and lots of people are flooding it, Lord, just bless them. I do it on purpose. I do it on purpose because I'm not going to allow that envy to creep into my life and get a stronghold. You know, the Bible says, give the devil no place. That means toehold. Get the, just the toe in the door. Think about it. Not the whole foot, not the leg, not the body, the toe. Don't give him a toehold. Don't let him get the toe in the door. And so we have to be wise about that. Amen? Amen. And so when things come to us, opportunities to bring poison into our life, we just need to pass it up. We need to do things God's way. Amen? There are other, you know, manifestations uh, that where you can detect maybe where envy is trying to work in your life. Uh, and, and one of them is you look for fault in others. Well, look at them. Have you ever just, you know, if you've been at the airport or, uh, you know, just sitting in the mall or something like that, and everybody that goes by, look at that. Can you believe they've got that on? Look at that. You. You don't know how things get into your life. Being a fault finder, we've got to work at that. Girls, listen to me. You know it's true. Man, if I, I weighed that, I sure wouldn't be wearing those. When I get that age, I'm going to do this, not that. You understand what I'm saying? Fault finding. Now, you men, maybe you don't have to deal with that, but yours is going to be some other way. You know, men have to deal with, you know, ego things. Men have big egos. We all know that. That's not, you know, that's not something that, that's a secret. God made men that way. Now, it can get out of control, and you want everybody to bow down, you know, or whatever. But, but you know, a healthy, being healthy in that way, it, it's a, you know, that's the way God made but, you know, sometimes you can get out of, you know, way out of bounds when, when it comes to that and ego. And you see another man and, you know, maybe he has a real good physique and you just think, well, you know, I want to look like that. Well, you have to go to the gym like he does and work out probably seven days a week, you know. We want to compare ourselves. When you're comparing yourself to people all the time, 
You know, when you copy people, that could be a sign that envy is there when you have to copy people. Now, I'm not talking about you. I learn from people. I learn from other people. We all do. And we have mentors and we have people that we look up to. And it's okay to learn from them and do things, you know, in, in a way. But, but, you know, when you have to copy all the time, and I've been around people that are like this, and they copy everything. See, I, I think that's a sign of insecurity in people. They see this one, and they've got to do that. They see this way of doing something, and they've got to do that. They see this person that's made a change, and they've got to do that. You see, that's a sign. Something inside maybe is poisoned and needs a little help. Amen? Other people... Um, you know, when this envy begins to creep in, they'll lie to appear superior. You know, you go into a room, uh, maybe you're at a, going at the, you know, the Christmas party from your office and everybody's in there and they're just chit-chatting and, you know, we've got shrimp cocktail and, you know, whatever. we're just having a good time sipping our punch, you know, and everything. And somebody, you know, just begins to tell some things that are going on in their life. And, you know, then here's another person and they have to, they have to appear to be greater in accomplishment than what they just heard. Okay, then that could be, if that's something that you do and you feel compelled to do, then it could be that envy is working in your life. And if it is, tonight, it's a poison and we're going to put the meal in. Amen? All right. We need to be comfortable and content with who we are as people. Now, I do not in any way mean that you don't need to improve. I try to improve all the time. I try to improve, um, you know, in knowledge and intellect and, uh, you know, all of that. And then, you know, then you've got the age thing and some of you women know. And then so you really have to try that. The older you get, the more damsels you need. And I've told you ladies that. What do I mean? You got to have a damsel for your hair, a damsel for your nails, a damsel for a pedicure, a damsel for a massage, you know, a damsel for hair color. Yeah, here we go. Just on and on and on. Just got to have lots of damsels. I've totally distracted myself, but be comfortable with who you are. And it's okay, though, for improvements. Just you don't have to improve yourself to be like so. You can be inspired by someone else, but not to be just like someone else. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora. Pastor Nora.